0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Kylie Camps, owner of The Kind Parenting Company, wife, proud mom of twin boys, and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love, and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better, choose better, and live your best life. Welcome to episode 45. Today's podcast is brought to you by my very own company, The Kind Parenting Company, If you've not heard of us, we offer online programs for baby and toddler sleep as well as toddler behavior. We also have a whole stack of free resources available on our website. If you are interested in our solution-based programs, jump over to the website and take a look. All of our sleep programs come with unlimited access to video tutorials as well as access to audio files. Our Toddler Life program now covers sleep, as well as so many important topics for the toddler years. Toddler Life has over 10 hours of audio, so if you love podcasts and you're excited to learn more evidence-based, kind parenting techniques, definitely check out the Toddler Life program. Today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with you about yelling. I'm going to be taking some of the content from the toddler life program and sharing that with you here today on Instagram stories this week. I spoke very briefly about yelling and I had such a big response from those parents who follow along wanting to know more. Yelling is one of those things that can become a habit. It can become a default setting when our kids aren't listening to us And don't get me wrong, I am not perfect when it comes to not yelling. I have my moments as well. But it is important as parents that we understand the effects that yelling can have on developing minds. Like I always say, when you know better, you do better. In our household, yelling is a rare occurrence purely because I understand the side effects of it. That doesn't mean, like I said, that I get it 100% right all the time. I certainly don't. I have my moments too where I'm super frustrated and I'm pushed to my limit. But if we have a good base understanding of what yelling does, it really will shift the way that you approach some areas of parenting. So let's get stuck into it. It is a topic that I've spoken about previously over the years, in particular on Snapchat a few years ago, and it seemed to hit a nerve with a lot of parents, and to be honest, it made me rethink sharing this information. However, upon deeper reflection, I do feel it's important because it's incredibly empowering to know more on the topic. From the very get-go, though, like I said, I want to be very, very clear that no one is perfect, and that there is also a world of difference between occasionally raising your voice and regularly and consistently yelling or screaming at your toddler. Parenting is a highly stressful job. We have so much pressure on us at almost every given moment. We have all of the tabs open all of the time, and just like your computer when it has too many tabs open for too long, it doesn't perform as well as it should. And the same idea can be applied to us as humans. Not only are we thinking about the task at hand, we have numerous tabs opened with topics floating around our brain like What am I going to prepare for dinner and does the washing need to be brought in? When will I get a chance to fold that washing? What does it mean when my toddler is crying at daycare drop-off? Do I need to read more to my child? Am I being a good partner? Have I called my mum? Am I dropping the ball at work? There's so many things that could be and often are floating around our brains. We have a lot of thoughts going on. We have a lot of tasks and objectives grappling for our attention And sometimes we do erupt and we lose our cool. All of us do. Every single parent, including me, have lost their shit in one way or another. And when it happens, it's important to address it appropriately and in a manner that serves you moving forward. If you do address it, it can be a really, really amazing opportunity for self-reflection and growth. If left unaddressed and it's stifled back down, it will likely occur again and again and again, and it may become more of a habit. On top of this ever-growing pressure and never-ending to-do list, we also need to contend with our own childhood and our own upbringings, which I've spoken about a lot here, because it's something that the older I get, the more I realize just the gravity that our childhood stories have in our life. So depending on your own parents' style of parenting, you will have your own moral compass of what is normal and accepted versus what is not normal or accepted. I grew up in a house where raising your voice was really normal. I was the sort of young child, though, who hated having a raised voice directed at me. And in the face of my parents yelling, I would crumble. It made me nervous, on edge, and I would cry at the sound of it. Whereas my sisters seem to have a much tougher disposition, if they were yelled at, they would yell back 10 times louder. I can remember noticing that I was fearful of being yelled at, where it seemed to just roll off their backs more easily. So I do believe that there is kind of a genetic predisposition to whether or not you're more sensitive than others, but regardless of that. I believe growing up in a yelling house shaped the way that I acted at school. I was terrified of a teacher raising their voice or having any sort of negative attention on me, so much so that it made me to prefer having zero attention, and I would do my absolute best to fly under the radar. As an adult now and working in the parenting industry, it's truly opened my eyes to the connections between our formative years and how we move through the world. The evidence that I have found and read through and find incredibly compelling and powerful shines a light on the effects of yelling at a toddler, child, and also teenagers. It can provoke anxiety and feelings of instability and produces the classic fight, flight, or freeze response. It can also be linked to an increase in aggressive behavior, both verbally and physically. Yelling is a way of elevating a message. Whether that message is seeded in the words used or pitch it's delivered at, or both at times, it doesn't really matter when it comes to a young child, toddler, or babies. Adults are infinitely more powerful than a toddler. We are bigger in stature, size, and strength. So when we yell or scream, we make that power difference even more obvious to a toddler we can be really scary. An adult yelling or screaming is scary to a toddler and as a response, a toddler's body will release the hormone cortisol, which is known as the stress hormone. This hormone is released by the adrenal glands as part of the fight, flight or freeze mechanism, which in short dictates and encourages how our bodies respond in a stressful, dangerous, scary or threatening situation. Now not all stress is bad and stress is generally defined in two ways. The first is known as eustress which is good stress and the second is known as distress which is bad stress. Eustress and distress both encourage the release of the stress hormone cortisol into the body. However the body and mind will respond differently to these types of stresses. Eustress creates a positive productive and kind of Seize the day, heightened state of arousal, which often helps us to reach a goal. Upon reaching this goal, cortisol levels then return to a normal state. Distress, however, doesn't provide an outlet for the cortisol, and the body will continue to release this stress hormone until we are either removed from the situation or no longer see it as dangerous or as a threat. With no tangible goal to reduce or to stop the production, the body will remain in a wired state and for toddlers and young children this can result in poor sleep quality, restlessness, irritable behavior, increased outbursts, increased meltdowns and tantrums, crying, screaming and yelling, acting out physically such as biting, hitting and throwing objects and increased levels of anxiety including separation anxiety. And when these elevated levels of cortisol are evident for a frequent or long period of time, so this is for the little ones who are continually and consistently being yelled at, they may experience increased sleep disruptions, night terrors and nightmares, a decrease in appetite, developmental delays, and increased behavioral issues. Which is a lot when you think about it because you don't ever want to feel like you're the parent that yells all the time but if you are yelling consistently over things like you know say your little one drops their cup and you yell then and then they take a long time to get in the car and you yell then and then they accidentally wee on the floor and then you yell it's a lot of cortisol pumping through their little bodies. Small occasional doses of the hormone cortisol are normal and to be expected Research has demonstrated that added influx of cortisol, though, can have negative implications on the brain, both short-term and long-term. We have to remember our toddlers, our babies, our young children, their brains are still developing. Current research suggests that elevated cortisol levels also interfere with learning and memory, can lower immune functions, lower bone density, increase weight gain, elevate blood pressure, increase cholesterol, increase risk of heart disease, and lower life expectancy. So that's obviously the very extreme end of having elevated cortisol levels. Unfortunately, the list of subsequent negative health and well-being implications do continue. In research recently released by Martin Davies Cummings, It has also been found that elevated cortisol levels are linked with mental illness and a decrease in resilience, especially for adolescents, which I think is really fascinating. And it's a point to take a pause on because often as parents, you might think, oh, if I'm yelling at my child, it's building resilience. But what it might be doing is compromising resilience. So we know that elevated cortisol levels are are not good for our health and can have negative effects for both of us as parents and also for our toddlers and little ones. We can't completely avoid stresses, and as mentioned before, some stress is good and needed. However, we do need to be mindful of the added distress that we are placing on our toddlers and us as parents as well. To avoid these potential short term and long term health implications, should be a priority. Often when a parent screams yells and lashes out at a toddler it is because they don't have the skills tools and understanding of how to redirect those feelings into or onto something else or they feel that they don't have any other method of getting their toddler's attention and getting their toddler to do what they want them to do getting them to conform really. While yelling and screaming can jolt Your toddler into looking at you, and it may encourage some toddlers to comply. It isn't an effective long term solution for how to deal with your toddler's behavior for several reasons. It is likely your toddler will pay attention to the volume and tone, but not necessarily the message you are portraying. With those increased levels of cortisol now running through your toddler's body, it is unlikely they will be able to calm down or focus on the task at hand, which can then lead to increased yelling by the parent and a decrease in focus and attention from the toddler, and that cycle then continues. The toddler may feel the need to escape and run away from the parent as this flight coping mechanism kicks in. Your child may respond with a physical reaction such as hitting, screaming or throwing, And the fight response kicks in or your child may simply stand there and be frozen as the freeze response takes over. So have a little think now when you have yelled or screamed in the past how does your child react? Are they fighting? Are they fleeing? Or are they freezing? The ability to follow an instruction and this process such as placing a shoe on now gets drawn out and you are having to focus on their meltdown, tantrum, or power struggle, and the initial message and request will get lost amongst all of the behaviour. Your toddler may begin to assign negative associations with a constant struggle of an event that typically elicits the parent becoming frustrated and yelling, such as bedtime, placing shoes on, or leaving a park. What that means is if you are continually yelling or hollering at your child to do one certain behavior, they can form a really negative attachment to that behavior. For example, if getting in the car seat and being buckled up often ends in a struggle and the parent becomes angry and yells or screams, the toddler is likely to continue to try and avoid the confrontation and put up a fight when needing to be buckled up and placed into the car seat. While your toddler may pay attention the first few times you scream or yell They may become accustomed to this response and this harsh and loud reaction will no longer be a deterrent or successful in gaining your toddler's attention and cooperation. Your toddler won't be able to understand or distinguish between when a yell or scream is due to anger and frustration or when a yell or scream is due to a real threatening or dangerous situation such as them running onto the road and you screaming stop. For example, a toddler who is not accustomed to yelling or screaming on a daily basis by a parent is more likely going to stop and pay attention when a parent yells stop if they're about to enter oncoming traffic. However, a toddler who is accustomed to hearing mum or dad or their care a yell and scream will likely not respond as quickly to this elevated tone. Toddlers can be tricky, testing, and exhausting little beings at times. Personally, I found the age three the toughest. People talk about the terrible twos. Give me a two-year-old any day of the week. In fact, if I could go back and freeze the kids at any age, it would be two. I loved two. But of course, every child's different. But yeah, three was tough. There will be testing times and phases. However, the way you respond and redirect your toddler has the ability to either reduce or increase this behavior. If you are yelling and screaming at your toddler, this can be sending them a message that this is how you deal with stress or respond to someone when you don't get your way. Sure, your request such as please put your shoes on is not a tough request, but following this up by screaming or yelling, put your shoes on now, creates this behavioral association and sends a message to our toddlers to yell if you aren't being heard or getting things your way, to scream and yell. It's also important to remember if you as a parent, an adult who has 20, 30, maybe even 40 years of practicing emotional regulation cannot remain calm under pressure or can't control your own emotions, how can you expect your toddler who has maybe two to four years of experience to do so in a developing brain, it's not fair. It's incredibly important that we are remaining realistic in our expectations for both our babies, toddlers and ourselves. Yelling and screaming at your toddler will often then lead to your toddler using yelling and screaming as a means to express their emotions Unfortunately, your toddler may not yet have the verbal skills to express these feelings fully, even when yelling or screaming, and typically they will then resort to a more physical outlet, such as hitting, biting, or throwing things. While this behavior is very normal and age-appropriate during the toddler years, if this behavior and association is left to simmer and strengthen, this will no doubt Follow them throughout the rest of their childhood, adolescence, and even into adulthood. It is incredibly important and beneficial to begin to encourage positive pathways of dealing with these strong emotions now for your toddler, and the best way is to model them as a parent. Constantly screaming and yelling at a toddler only serves to release the pent-up frustration and anger from the parent. And not only does this lead to a more unhappy toddler, it often leaves you as a parent feeling guilty, upset, and even distressed over the situation. There's nothing worse than going to bed at night, feeling shit because you lost your shit at your kid. It's a horrible, horrible feeling. As mentioned previously, parenting and caring for toddlers is an incredibly high-pressure job with little to no breaks and little to no praise. And there will be, of course, times where we lose our cool. But if you find yourself screaming and yelling at your toddler or children regularly, then we do need to start to care for you and put things into place to help you to feel more in control and better equipped to handle these challenges. Often when I talk to parents and families who are finding themselves yelling and screaming often at their little ones, we discover that very rarely is the parent's intense reaction to do with the toddler's behavior. Of course, the toddler may be doing something frustrating that may trigger a reaction, but the snapping and harshness of the parent's reaction is often due to something underlying. And when we dig a little deeper, I typically find a parent who is either not sleeping well, not eating well, is dehydrated themselves, is taking no time to fill up their own self-care cups and perhaps is feeling undervalued just to name a few. There could be a myriad of other reasons such as relationship stress, workplace stress, you know distress within the family unit and finding healthy ways to deal with stress and stresses is incredibly beneficial. It is important that you as a parent are taking the time to see that you are worthy and deserving of some self-love, self-care, and time. There is little point in running yourself dry and keeping your own cup empty as you simply cannot pour from an empty cup. If you have nothing to give and you're not taking the time to care for your health, both physically and mentally and emotionally as well, then you can't expect yourself to be able to remain calm and have the energy to implement other parenting tools and techniques. I don't want you to think that you're a horrible parent for yelling or screaming at your toddler. I want you to see this reaction and response as a red flag and as a symptom. It's a calling to you that you need some love, understanding and support as well. And it's freaking hard to give yourself that sometimes, particularly if you are feeling guilty about anything in life. You can feel like you're not worthy of taking the time to care for yourself and you have to. A question that I do get a lot is what do I do when I lose my cool? Firstly, be really kind to yourself and sit with that feeling. It can be uncomfortable to really feel the weight of losing your cool, but it is much better to own it fully so that you can process why and how you got to that point of losing your temper. You don't need to dwell on it or beat yourself up for a long period of time or carry it around like a heavy weight. Simply and analytically assess where you feel you could have handled things in a different way. This is a big unlock. Often, once we've lost our shit, we're already so emotional that we can't look at things logically and from the outside. But taking a pause and really looking at the events that led you to lose your cool is so important because it will give you the data to then make changes and to improve in the future. If we don't put in the thought and the work, we can't make the changes to be our best self. It takes a tremendous amount of self-reflection, intrinsic motivation and commitment but it is possible and the more often you do it the easier it will become. Writing down where you feel you went off track and some alternative steps can be really helpful. It will give you somewhere to go. Write down some facts in the lead up to losing it such as, okay, I had a hard day of work and I received an unfair email at the end of the day. I then felt awful because I was late to pick Billy up from daycare. I arrived home to realize I'd locked my keys inside. Once inside, Billy refused to take a bath. I brought the washing in and put on another load. I asked Billy again to come to the bathroom, which he yelled no at me. I moved close to Billy and yelled in his face, get in the bath. It was so loud it even gave me a shock. Billy went wide eyed and looked stunned before bursting into an emotional cry. I felt awful and so guilty, and now I'm having trouble sleeping. It was really stressful. It's entirely likely that you will find yourself in a stressed mindset and feel the pressure of all the tasks of parenting and being an adult. Rather than planning on avoiding all of those stresses and pressure, it's helpful to replay what happened and give yourself better steps that you can take. For me personally, when I've done this in the past and I've reflected on what got me to the point of losing my cool, one of the things that I like to do myself when I've done this, when I've sat and reflected on moments where I've lost my cool is I ask myself this question. How would I have acted in a way that would make me feel proud? And that is such a simple question, but it can give you some guidance on how you want to act. So in the example of the bath, the way that I would have acted would have been staying calm and explaining to Billy that he had to have a bath. It could have been going outside and taking three big, long, deep breaths. It could have been splashing some water on my face. There are a couple of little things that you can do to snap yourself out of that state and then reapproach with a better mindset. It's important to notice the stress rising. You may, like I said, like to remove yourself momentarily for some deep breaths or get on the phone to a friend. You might like to write down your frustration. You might like to take a break and have a big glass of cold water or perhaps repeat a mantra. Our job as parents is to create a haven of security and calmness and yelling on the other hand really can create a home that feels unstable and unsafe to a developing mind. When yelling does happen, be kind to yourself and say sorry to your kids. Many parents worry that by apologizing to their children when they do something wrong that this may undermine their authority or maybe make them look silly. But it's such an amazing opportunity To show your kids that mistakes occur and when you do something that you're not proud of, the best course of action is to acknowledge it, own it, apologize and move on. Everyone makes mistakes and it's okay to admit when you are wrong. Apologizing is an appropriate step to take when you make a mistake. It teaches and encourages empathy and sympathy and it really teaches your child to own their emotion, behavior and responses. It's also giving them a chance to know that you can get a second chance if you don't get it right the first time. Ultimately, as parents, whether we like it or not, we are role models and that can be a lot of pressure. But if we are role modeling behavior that involves yelling and screaming and carrying on and verbally distressing ourselves and our children, then that is what our child will grow up to believe is a normal way to communicate. And we don't want to do that because we only yell and scream when we're not feeling great. We don't want that to be their normal. So when you are feeling tempted to yell, do one of those things that I suggested, whether it's phoning a friend, taking some deep breaths, running some cold water over your wrists, screaming into your pillow if you have to, phoning a friend. I think I mentioned that. Find out what could be your own personal action plan, what could work for you and practice it. Like I said, it's important to sit with those feelings of discomfort when you do yell. It's important to understand the effect that we could be having on our kids and their development. There's another study that suggests that yelling is just as bad for our kids as physical punishment. So that's something to keep in mind as well. It's not easy to stay calm, but it is worth it when you can do it. And like I said, if you do lose your cool, take a moment, drop a knee, say to your kids, I'm really sorry. You know, recently I <laughs> yelled, I lost my cool. And I said to the boys, I am so sorry. That was not about you. And I said it straight afterwards. So to them, that had nothing to do with you. Mummy had a really hard day at work and Mummy's worried about something at work. And that had nothing to do with you. And I gave them a cuddle and they were fine. The sooner that you apologize, own it, and move on, the better. Lastly, if you think about situations in life that are really important, we often do drills. You know, so flight attendants will practice evacuating an aircraft. They will practice what it's like to ditch into the ocean and evacuate. Firefighters are continually upskilling and practicing different types of stressful rescues, so that when the real deal happens, they know what the plan is. It's like that at daycare centres in your workplace. We have fire drills so that we know when that alarm sounds and shit's going south, we know how to get out and we know what to do. Parenting is a bit like that. We need to have a plan for when shit goes south. What is your plan for when you feel as though you might lose your cool? Write it out stick it inside your pantry, stick it on the fridge, tape it to the table wherever you need to have it, write it on your hand every day, put it as your phone screensaver, Because when you have the plan, you're more likely to follow it. It's very ambiguous to say, oh, I'm going to stop yelling, but not having a plan. Because when the time comes, you're just going to default to that behavior. But if you know, okay, I'm going to follow these three steps first, because this is how I would act if I was proud of myself. When you practice it mentally, then when the real deal happens, you're far more likely to comply with it. So I hope that that is helpful. The main takeaways from this episode that I want to stay with you are, when we yell at our kids, very rarely is it just about them. It's unfortunate that it's usually the straw that breaks the camel's back. We have all these other stresses going on in our minds and then our child does something and they cop it and we unleash on them, and that's not fair. I also want you to keep in mind, you have to practice self-care. If you don't practice self-care, you're so close to being on the edge of burning out and also exploding. Self-care is not selfish, you need to do it. I also want you to keep in mind, when we yell and scream at babies, toddlers, and children, we are going to elicit either a fight response where they become more aggressive and argue with us, a flight response where they yell up, excuse me, where they run and hide from us, or a freeze response where they don't know how to act and they're literally frozen in the moment. It also will likely increase cortisol coursing around their body, which is the stress hormone, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to add that to their day. So I hope that this has been helpful for you. As I mentioned, this is direct content from our Toddler Life program. If you enjoyed it, jump over, check out Toddler Life. There are so many topics covered from yelling, obviously, timeouts, smacking, discipline, communication, biting, dummies, tantrums, meltdowns, sleep. There is so much info. And if you are someone who likes to learn by listening, you are going to love the unlimited access to the 10 hours of audio files so you can listen in to the topics that are important to you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. As always, it would mean the world to me if you take a little screenshot and pop it on your Instagram story so I can share it on mine as well. Make sure you tag me at Kylie Camps. hope you have a great day.